Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Shotgun Start Podcast. Uh, it is Friday, July 28th. Kyle, how are you? I'm good, Andy. Uh, I, I just went with a straightforward, I'm good, Andy. I didn't try to get out over my skis with the voices here. <laughs> it's almost like, you know when guys, when they score a touchdown and they, they have all these different kinds of celebrations, I, I, I like the guys that just go straight handshake, the handshake celebration. Or That's just my, hand, my the, hand the football back to the ref. Just like, yeah, act like just, you've done that before, right? I love, I love the handshake celebration. It's, it's fantastic. Now I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to be on, talk a little golf, get, I've got, I've actually got some non-golf questions for you. Um, so Delightful. we can, we can spring, sprinkle those in as well. That sounds like a great, a great place to start. Maybe I, um, well, I was gonna, I, you know, to be honest, I almost just went with a what's up Kyle. Cause I don't do the greetings. I don't, you know, I have like, it's, it's too much pressure for me. I have to write down the date. I, to remember it, I don't know the exact sequence. I feel like I've heard it so many times, um, and I think I probably screwed up this one. But I've heard it so many times. But I'm more focused on preparing the Brendan than yeah. you know. And I think when Brendan's not here and I'm hosting, I need to draw. I just have to. It has to it has to change to whatever I want to say. You need a yeah. You either need a script or you just you just jump into. To whatever you say. Okay, okay. I was thinking about this today. I'm going on vacation next week, oh, and that's great. That sounds I'm very excited. It, yeah, we're going to Colorado, fishing off the grid, no phone, etc. And I've never owned, as an adult, I've never owned sandals. I've never owned a pair of sandals, and I was curious. It looks like you have thoughts on this. <laughs> My wife has thoughts on it, and it's really and ruined my life so, with sandals. I can't wear so them we without go, thinking about what she says. So we go to the we go to the pool, and I wear tennis shoes. We go to the beach. I wear tennis. We oh, go anywhere. Come on, you got to get something. You, you you can't you can't be living that way. You're you're ruining your life doing that. Well, I just I feel un like if. I'm the kind of person that if we're at home, I'm always wearing shoes. Like I'm never Tennis barefoot. Shoes. Yes. It feels. Did you watch Arrested Development? <laughs> I did. I don't know if I remember what you're about to say. Though. <laughs> you're kind of like Tobias Fuque as a never yes. nude. You're never without shoes. <laughs> yes. My feet are never nude. <laughs> So, the one of the issues is that I have, I people are people are never going to want me on this podcast again. <laughs> but I have extraordinarily long toes that look like fingers, <laughs> like they're so long. Oh, people are going to be asking to see pictures of these toes, especially people with foot fetishes. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, <laughs> I bought sandals for this trip. And I, I, it's hard to get comfortable in that. I'm struggling to like feel like a. I, I feel like yeah. Let me I, give I you. Know. Let me give you my two cents here. I think you need a nice pair of Crocs that cover up your feet, but they provide okay. air. They provide air. You can wear them without socks. They slip on. They slip off. They are not a sponsor of this podcast. I, I was very skeptical of these. My wife got me them, and I love them. The other awesome okay. thing, I like went in. I was, I was a like for your trip. It's perfect because I was in. I went to a river last weekend, and I, you know, it's all rocky, and you want to have shoes on because you, otherwise your feet are just going to get smoked by yeah, these rocks. Just, yeah. 
and like I can, you can wear them into the water. Okay. Yeah. That way you get, you get the coverage. Yeah. You don't have to expose the, the toes that you're, you're self, you're, uh, you know, you're reluctant to to expose. Yeah. I wear them all the time. You don't get, you don't have to like wearing tennis shoes to the beach is, is not, it's not good. It's not a good lifestyle thing. Well, you can stand in them. It's a nuisance. Yeah. What do you do? When do you put your socks back on? Like, do you have to wait till the, the little water dispenser? Yeah. Yeah. The the shower. we were on a trip in Mexico this year and I had to go like shower them off before I put everything, but then you have to dry them. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a nuisance. You got to get, you got to get a pair of slip on shoes that maybe if, if you don't like the sandals, you got to get coverage. You got to have some some top cut. That's where the Crocs, I, they look silly, but once you wear them, you're just like, God, these are, these are great. And I think they're pretty trendy right now. I think you'd be, you know, they aren't, they look a little silly, but they they are trendy. So I think know. people I think people definitely tune into the Shotgun Start to hear two 37 year old dads talk about what's trendy in fashion. Well, <laughs> do you want to move on? Do you do you want to talk about something else? Because uh, you know we could we could talk. My wife is constantly on me for my my fashion choices. So let's uh, let's go on. That. What? Well, let's. I mean, I, I've set you up for your ad read with the beach right here. We're talking about the beach. We're That's right. That's. I told you cro- we had to do some ads. I was uh, just in an alley oop, and you won't, you won't, you won't well, dunk it here. I'm not. I'm not as talented of a host as Brendan. I don't see these natural segues or anything. But this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Oars and Alps. Uh, listen, Kyle, you're spending a lot of time outside this week. I spend a lot of time outside. When we go to golf tournaments, we spend a lot of time outside. When we play golf, we spend a lot of time outside. This company was founded by two women who had outdoor outdoorsy husbands, people out in the in the and about. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but a lot of like skincare stuff is loaded with junk. So they wanted to set out to find, you know, they love their husbands. Um, I don't know if my wife would go on this journey for me, but but they did uh, where they <laughs> went out and, and wanted to find a more a safer, better solution for men's skincare. So they have a wide array of stuff, um, lots of uh, different sunscreen options. I was going to ask you, like, how do you how are you going to do the sunscreen? Is that like a integral part of the morning routine when you go on vacation? Do you line them up? Like, how does it work? Well, you got four kids. Yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of an assembly line. And I heard you guys talking about the stick and the spray the other day and uh that sounds way better because you're trying to <clears throat> it's like those um like trying to put sunscreen on four kids under 10. It's like trying to carry around you you remember those 4th of July things where you're carrying around like a watermelon with oil on it and it's like a competition. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's a nightmare. So I'm I'm in, and my wife will appreciate this too because I don't love sunscreen, uh, and so she uh, she'll want she'll want to get me in some of this. Yeah, so it they got lots of different options. You got like your traditional sun sunscreen lotion. They've got spray. They've got the Ghost Stick Clear, which Brendan loves, and I've heard you know numerous people throw it in their golf bag, and it's it's awesome. Uh, and then they have a bunch of other just. Uh, uh, products. I've been using the muscle recovery balm on, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of running lately, so it, it's just kind of been good for a few aches and pains. Uh, and you know, they've got deodorant, you know, everybody needs deodor- deodorant. So this can be your one-stop shop, moisturizer, face wash, all sorts of stuff from Horse and Alps. So you could just like, you know, replenish your entire situation in your bathroom here. Uh, go do www.oars like a uh, like a rowing oar you know oars and alps like the mountains so that's oarsandalps.com slash fried egg and if you use the code egg 15 you'll get 15 percent off all right let's get to the very um interesting jay monahan's back in the back in the chair he's back back in the saddle he's uh the commissioner is back and it seems like he's uh, he's he's attempting to 
build up some political capital. He sent a memo out to players, announce, basically announcing his return with a lot of a, a lot of different um, details of what's going on with the tour. Obviously, it's a precarious time for the tour with the framework agreement and uh, everything in flux. So he addressed a few um, small things, but then he got into the framework agreement as well as uh, the proposed model local rule golf ball. So let's start. Um, I'll run down a couple details and and feel free to chime in whenever you want. Independent pl- a director replacement is the is the lead of the 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 memo. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen with Randall Stevenson's spot. They appointed a, a, a search committee. <laughs> the, this is this is incredible. Patrick Cantlay, Webb Simpson, and then two of the independent directors, Mark Flaherty and Mary Meeker will be on the search committee for their new independent director of replacement on the policy board. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, is Patrick Cantley going to be in like, like interviewing people? Like, That's what hey, I'm wondering. you know, why are manhole covers round? Like just asking, you know, insane questions to, to different potential board members. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, what what kind of questions do you think he'd ask? He's for sure a uh, what are your what are your greatest strengths and greatest weaknesses guy. <laughs> I could I could see him being like how how do you how do you feel about slow play, and that being just like an automatic qualifying or disqualifying <laughs> position. He also. F- feels like somebody who would say like, Hey, how many golf balls can you, or, or how many, like if you have a, a, a truck, how many golf balls can you fit <laughs> in the bed of a truck? And like, there's no real answer. He just wants to see how you get to the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, web web might be asking design questions. You know, what do you think about my, my ideas on golf course design, adding trees? I do think that it's important to note here that Mark Flaherty, Mary Beaker are very successful people. So they got, they got two like real business people on, on the committee. So it's, you know, it's comical to me to think about like, you know, determining effectively a board member for a, a billion dollar business, two of, two of the people on the committee hit a golf ball for a living, you know? Well, and it's just such a unique thing about this league, right? Where in other sports you have a, well, you have unions. And so you have, you have player owners. representatives of those unions. It just, it's, it's, you're, you're mixing player, a, player and ownership in, or player and executive in this league more than any, any other league that I, I mean, maybe this happens elsewhere, but you think about, everything you hear in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and it, it just happens at the executive level and not it doesn't involve players. It's a it's a it's a strange thing. And I'm not totally sure what to think of of all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a moot point. It's there's probably about five to ten candidates. They all are extremely wealthy, um, middle aged people that have had a lot of success in life um, in the business front and love golf. That is probably the requirements, and there's probably five to ten candidates for that who want to, you know, devote a certain amount of time to the PGA tour. Um, as a, as a betting podcast, is this, uh, are there odds on Ron Johnson getting that spot? Like, gee, have you, have you given that out as a, as a winner? I think the, the problem is the spot coming up and it seems like there's some urgency to <laughs> fill it. It might conflict. He might have to, he might be conflicted out of being in the running because of his spot on that Senate committee. Right. True. Yeah. Right. Like he needed maybe, this maybe, spot maybe. to come due in in January after the investigation or whatever the hell they call that is done. He'll get the next one. When do you think Yasser like, uh, agreed to give them time? When do you, do you think it was? It's twenty twenty six, maybe. Are you talking about the Senate committee? Yeah. When he when he had some free time for them. 
Well, it's one of those things where, you know, how you go back and forth with somebody that you don't really want, like, like wants to hang out with you, but you don't really want to hang out with them. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, that's what that feels like. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm, I'm free on like Friday at 1145 PM or something. You know, I could do coffee one day. (laughs) (laughs) Do you free Tuesday morning at 10? Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 very much feels like. Well, I I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out later on. I guess. When when's the most inconvenient time that you could offer somebody to meet? Is it Friday afternoon in a business sense? I think, like, if you said, yeah, you know, I'm free Friday at three. I, I think that's right. I, <laughs> it's got to be just a weekday, right? Yeah, I, I also think like. Saturday mornings, especially if you have kids, are pretty like precious. And so you're like, hey, just meet me at the coffee shop at like 9.15. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's like the three-hour window that I see my... That I like play with my kids every every, every weekend. That I'm... I don't know. It's a good, it's a good question. It's... Uh, um, all right. Let's move on to the player, uh, the framework agreement updates. And it's effectively two committees. You've got the player discipline, discipline committee. And, uh, I loved, I loved this, the, um, a task force. So we've got a search committee earlier mentioned, and now we've got a task force. Another task, another task force. (laughs) Yeah. Another one is evaluating developing potential pathways back to the PGA tour for live players who wish to reapply in the future. All aspects of the PGA Tour tournament regulations are being considered and more details will be provided upon further evaluation. Effectively, like the two things here, you have the player benefit program, which in cl- the cliff notes of that are, hey, we're going to give uh, cash to players who stayed. There's going to be some loyalty fund and people are going to make some money, some players. And then the other shoe here, I think this is all to appease players who stayed. Like, think about this. Monahan's coming back. He's in a tenuous spot. Nobody really likes him. Um, and he's saying, listen, we're going to cash out players and we're going to discipline other players. What do you make of these two? Things? The other shoe, the other sandal, whatever it is. Uh, I, I, the, to me, you know, I was reading through this last night and this morning and read it a couple times. There's just not, there's not a ton there. Like, like what, what are, what are you, what are you telling me? What are you enlightening me on that I didn't already know or at least presume? So, right, like once you once you get to like once there's a plan, okay, I would love to know that news as a player or as a media member. But to me, it's just like we're gonna do some stuff, and here's the people that are gonna maybe <laughs> maybe do that stuff. You know, like I just I don't know the task. Force. I don't know how. Yeah, exactly. But it's like okay, the 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 in the Ryder Cup, the task force is kind of just okay. Well, here's who it is, and then they don't do anything actually until the next Ryder <laughs> Cup or you know whatever. And so that to me, it just it it left a little bit to be desired in terms of information. I didn't I didn't take a lot away from this memo. I think it just provided a basis like and I think the the realistic way this is going to play out. I think they there's going to be an allocated fund and it's probably they're they're just trying to figure out where the line of demarcation is of like what players get money. Um, I don't think the entire tour is getting money. Um, Sadly for Chesson Hadley, I don't think his loyalty is going to be rewarded. I think it's going to be, you know, probably similar to the PIP list of type. Like they went to 20, maybe it's 20 guys that get cashed out 25. Um, I was kind of trying to think of some names that would be like on the bottom end of like of, of players that would get cashed out. You know, that I think you, you have to say like, the players that would make a meaningful impact of going. And I kind of found myself like in the Wills Alatoris, who obviously was a bigger name this time last year, Tyrrell Hatton, Sam Burns, uh, Shane Lowry type. Vein, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
like that that seems to be the bottom end they're going to get less and then the guys like Scotty, Rory, um John Rahm are going to get a lot more. I, I think what was intriguing to me on the flip side of that of punishing guys that are coming back and I don't I maybe you guys have talked about this or maybe it was somewhere else that I heard it but if the two entities are are being kept separate and I don't think they will but if they are then who on live actually even wants to 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 come back to the PGA tour right like who who wants to i i just don't know like i feel like there's this presumption in the memo and in a lot of the rhetoric of oh well you know everybody's going to want to come back and here's how we're going to punish them and it's like well okay yeah if everything's combined into one and i guess i i believe it will be then that will be their only option. But if they have an option, I don't like, do we think that a lot of those guys are going to want to come back to the PGA tour? I think that's a great question. I, I think lives going to exist next year. I think the question will be, what is, what is the following years and how does that look? I could see it being rolled in, in some form, a dramatically different form with a different name, with like a completely different format um, in future years. Um, but I think there are some players that would want to come back. I think there are probably some players that I don't think that lives been good for everybody. I think it's easy to point at Brooks and be like, see, it didn't matter. But like Brooks treated the PGA tour the way he treats live. Yeah. He treated them as non-consequential events. Right. I think if you look at players like Cameron Smith, yep. I think that's been DJ. detrimental to him. Yeah. I mean, DJ, I think DJ's DJ just was, and it, he's at the point too, where listen, he gave us like 13 great years. Yeah. Really great years. And it's rare for guys to have more than 10 years of really, really good play. You know, there aren't many guys with more than 10 years of greatness in them. And so, whether it's effort, whether it's honestly just getting older, um, you know, that he's, he's what, 40 years old now? 39? I think he's 39. You know, I, it is interesting, though, because you look at somebody like, and it's, it, this is a hard comparison because Phil's one of the 11, 12 best players ever, or maybe for you, like 18 or 25. <laughs> but. You see, you see, he was quantitatively up. There. You see what he accomplished at kind of the age that DJ is, and you're like, man, what what could somebody like what could a DJ and Adam Scott? Obviously, you could accomplish a lot because Phil did it. Now, maybe their games age differently or whatever, but. I do think that Phil's this really interesting litmus test because he's different than Tiger, right? He he won all of his majors after the age that Tiger won his 14th. And yeah. so, <clears throat> to me, Phil is like this really fascinating. I measured, I did, I wrote an article this week for CBS Sports about, hey, could Rory, Rory's kind of emulating Phil's career in terms of the, just if you look at the numbers, they, they're, put, they're structuring it a lot differently, but just the numbers... It's 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 pretty similar, but how do you when you hit forty as a DJ or a Rory or a Brooks or whoever these guys that are in their mid thirties, do you keep going or is it like DJ? You're just kind of like fading away slowly. I think um, it has a lot to do with the makeup of of the person. Phil is clearly a hyper competitive human being that wouldn't be able to live without the risk, you know, the gambling makes sense. Like he, he always needs to win and he loves the thrill of competition and stakes. I think that competitiveness is like an uber, uber important aspect of, um, longevity. You, it's the more, and more money you make and the longer and longer your career gets, I imagine the more and more difficult it is to get, out of the house and go grind on your golf game for four or five hours. Yeah. Right. And that's the, 
you know, especially at this point with golf, I think that's the difference between being 45th in the world and, you know, 18th is, is a lot of work ethic, right? And so I think it gets hard, especially with all the money in the sport, to to get that kind of grind. Um, and I think in Phil's case, there was two things, right? He has the hyper-competitiveness and also all of the the heartbreak that fuels him, <clears throat> right? So I think in, in the case of Rory, there's some 10 years of frustration that probably acts as a fuel as well as like he seems quite passionate about the game. It seems like he wants to play for a long time. But then I think there are other guys that like you get a lot of money and it's, it's you know, if you don't really love the game, it's hard to keep going. Yeah. Right. Like it's a, it's an, it's a unique sport in that sense where you can keep going. You can be relevant at age 45. Granted, like you're not going to be as dominant probably. Um, we haven't seen anybody recently playing their best golf in their mid forties. Um, so I think it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough question. And if anybody says like Potty Har- look at Potty Harrington, yeah, he's been amazing. He's he's transformed his game. He's he's retained. But like, let's not be let's not. He won three three major championships in his prime. Yeah, you know, I don't like he's not winning majors as a as a fifty year old. I don't know who would have said look at Potty Harrington. Um, <clears throat> I just want to get out ahead of that. If anybody <laughs> listened to the fried egg preview, but. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, for the guys with live, like I think there are, there's probably a subset of guys that are really happy where they are, others that aren't. And I think like if it continues another year past, I think there's probably different levels of discipline, right, for different people coming back. Like Pat Perez, I don't think is going to face the same discipline as Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson, who have some claim of of membership viability because of their performance like dj being a life member um brooks kepka winning a major this year like they have claims for membership eligibility and you know i think anybody listening to this podcast that's worked in their life probably understands like sometimes it's important to leave a company in the right you know when you exit no matter how you feel you just you kind of leave gracefully because you never know what's going to happen. And for guys like Pat Perez and Taylor Gooch and, you know, they they were rubbing it in the face of the tour. Suing they were, the tour. They were in lawsuits against the tour. And I'm guessing they're going to get substantially different penalty than guys like Brooks, DJ, and Cam Smith that kind of like politely left and didn't didn't smear the tour on the way out well, I, and i think the part what that you're saying about that that's so interesting on both sides both the reward and the punishment is is this going to be arbitrary is it going to be a system is it going to be a panel of people deciding is it going to they should televise oh it. it'd be unbelievable is it going to like baseball goes to these arbitration here like you there's so many different ways you could do that and i think that's a little bit of what we need information and updates on not, you know, the fact that Jason Gore is like part of the part of the crew that's going to going to figure this out. I mean, it's a, it's it's a fine update. I, it just doesn't do a lot for me. God, Jason Gore is just ascending the corporate ladder. I mean, I don't think anybody has ever been more well liked and and seen such like corporate uh, escalation. The way he's moved up through the USGA and now now all of a sudden he seems like he's one of the big guys at the PGA Tour. Uh, higher higher uh, earnings for Jason Gore on course or off course at the PGA Tour. Like working for the PGA Tour or playing for the, on the PGA Tour. It's going to be off course. I feel like he's probably in the millions uh, a year, and it seems like he'll probably be there for a, a long. A long time. Good guy. So, you know, deserves it. Um, All right. Now let's get to the BDS part for me, at least. I don't know how you feel about this. Um, The distance debate. I like how he he titled it out, distance debate. I'll just read this verbatim. So so everybody gets the whole thing because I know everybody's not sweating over these memos. Uh, As you know, we have spent the last two years undertaking a comprehensive analysis of distance on the PGA Tour and its impact. 
Although there has been some level of support for limiting future increases, there is widespread and significant belief the proposed model local rule is not warranted and is not in the best interest of the game. Following a discussion on the topic at a recent PAC meeting, we have notified the USGA and RNA that while the PGA Tour is committed to collaborating with them and all industry partners to arrive at a solution uh, that will best serve our favorite slogan, our players, our fans, and the games at all level. No partners. <laughs> Surprise, he left out yeah, partners there. Because it kind of fits there, right? Yeah, it would. Uh, we are not able to support the MLR as proposed as the formal feedback period to the USGA and the RNA comes to an end and this process evolves. I will be in touch with updates. Well, uh, it's not surprising, right? Jeff Shockerford laid this out in in his quad- quadrilateral uh, newsletter, and when when the when the oh, there's so many different like tentacles to this, but when the when the player when the members are running the organization theoretically, and none of them want to, you know, we've we've heard the the actual people. Not none. A few, very, uh, the vast Most majority. Most of them. I think there are there are voices in there that are for this. Sure, but the, but vast the majority, majority of people, especially that we've heard from, have said, "Yeah, I am. I am against the the rollback. I'm against the MLR." And those are the very people that Jay Monahan is partnered with, representing. However, you want to say it. And you know the thing that Shackford laid out was like, hey, he needs a he needs a W right w- among his among his people. Like he's taken a bunch of L's recently, <laughs> and that's that's sort of like why the it's not the only reason, but it's part of why this has come to fruition and was presented uh, the way that it is. Now that's a really in my opinion, bad long-term view on all of this. But, I, you know, the tour doesn't, especially recently, doesn't seem to be taking the long view on much of anything. It's a lot of short-term, short-term, short-term. And, you know, that's great for right now. Maybe it keeps the machine rolling. But at some point that, you know, you have to pay a you have to pay a tax on that. And that's the part that I'm interested in five, 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. Um, obviously I think this was a, a decision that was based around, Hey, I need a, I need a W and the players are against this. And I think like, it's important to talk about why the players are against it. And I have sympathy for, for the players. They have reached the, the pinnacle of the sport playing the game the way it is. And I would, completely understand why there is fear among every one of them if they change the game what happens to my game this is a very self-interested decision um a really self-interested organization to be very good at golf a lot of golfers are very very selfish people so if you look at this from that angle i would want nothing to change if i was a pga tour player who has reached the top level of the sport. I'm making millions of dollars with the game played under this construct. And if if it changes, that could put that in jeopardy. I understand that. And it's just a, a, a great position of bias. To- totally. Um, and it, it speaks to the fact that, you know, I don't love the path that we've gone on to get to this position but i do i do think and i've thought for a while now that having a for-profit entity running golf that is not member run that's necessarily making like player incentive does not align with fan incentive and and so and and fan incentive is important for the overall popularity of the sport and the overall amount that you can monetize the sport for more popularity, more. Money. I mean, another name for fan incentive or for the incentive toward fans is is product popularity, right? And yes. nobody on the player side is is incentivized to care about product popularity. They're incentivized to care about self. And I don't. I, I sympathize with that. I'm. I, I agree with you. And I think that 
for all the meandering that we've gone to get here, I do think there's some value in having a for-profit, non-player-run organization doing some of the... This doesn't pertain to the ball thing, obviously, but in doing some of the future... Uh, making some of the future decisions in golf. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And I think like equipment companies don't want any change and they don't want the boat rocked and equipment companies sponsor the vast majority of players on the PGA tour. And I think some of the bigger equipment companies have tied stuff into the contracts, their endorsement contracts with players that have stipulations about rollback where players are financially burdened by rollback. And like, listen, like, you know, I, I think that hearing the player's opinion is important, but I don't think it should carry as much weight as the governing body who is, listen, the USGA, if anything, if we've been taught anything over the last 10 years, the USGA doesn't want to be unpopular. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like, true. They, they, they want people, they want the players to like them. They go so... They've gone so out of their way to appease players with their championship, with their setup, the way they're treated at the U.S. Open. Like They want them to like them. They want to have a good relationship. And the part of the thing is like being the governing body doesn't you have to make unpopular decisions and they know this is an unpopular decision but like the players have like extraordinary bias um in this in this and financial interest tied to it which is which is the hard thing yes. you know when you have like hey i'm going this is going to cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars like yeah i'm going to be against it right like i could buy a a fancy car or, or a second house with this money and over the course of a couple of years, right? So this is, that's, I think, the thing that I, I struggle with. Um, the other thing in what you said, aligning fan interest. And I kind of innocuously did this, but I said, hey, I tweeted, hey, for my personal account, what, what were some of your most memorable shots from the tour this year so far? And I put, you know, a list of them that I had just off the top of my head. It was like Rory's Scottish Open shot. Max Homa's chip in at Fortnite. Um, what, what about... Nick Taylor's putt in yeah, Canada. They, Brooks's approach 16th at, at Oak Hill were the four that I just put out there off the top of my head. Six, oh, yeah. Okay. What about uh, Big Sep's chip at the Open last week? Yeah. So that was another good one. I like... So my main takeaway after all these people replied, the nuttiest of golf fans replying, all of them, basically all of them were approach shots in. There were a couple nominations, a tee shot I forgot about, Rory's on 18 at the match play. Oh, yeah, that was insane. But once again, it was approaching the green. Yes. The most interesting, everything that the best parts about golf are approaching the green. And this is like my big thing here. Distance gains and health and fitness, all these things. You can't roll back health and fitness. Distance gains have created much less variety in approaching the green, which is the most exciting part of yep. the sport rolling the ball back creates more shots more distances variety of distances more opportunities for spectacular shots but also then more outcomes around the green so if like chip shots and approach shots are the most interesting shots in the sport we should be doing everything we can to emphasize that it's like the nfl the NFL realized, hey, you know what? Passing is really exciting. <laughs> that is an exciting play. We like when people pass the ball. It is, you know, you get on the edge of your seat. You don't know if it's going to be completed or not. Why don't we skew the game to reward passing? Yeah. 
you know, this goes across. Tennis had the same situation. Yep. The, the ball and the speed that people were able to serve the ball got so out of hand that the sport became just about serves and aces. It was really boring because in the men's game, power became overwhelming and it became very one-dimensional. So you know what they did? They slowed the ball down because what's exciting in the sport of tennis is rallies. In golf, what's really exciting is approach shots and around the green play and some putts. So when you have a ball go really far and it becomes just wedges, there are less things that can happen on the approach shot and there's less things that can happen around the green because less guys miss the green. And there's less fun putts because there's shorter putts in general. There's lots of 25-footers that like rarely go in, aren't that impressive when they go in, and re- you know end up with lots of two-putts. You're just watering down the product. And, and this is the thing that they don't seem to understand, is that the product is the thing that has to evolve. And every other sport around them is going the complete opposite direction with how they approach product. Except for the tour, the tour always puts player interest over the product, and it's so frustrating. And it makes, like, with the Saudi Arabia stuff, it makes being a fan just really demoralized. But the reason, I mean, you just said it right there. The reason the tour does that is because the tour is the player. It'd be like if if Kevin Durant was voting on things that happen in the NBA that affected him. You know, it's, it, it's, it's the reason that you get JJ Henry playing in all these events. Like, of course, if NBA players were allowed to vote on keeping rookies out of the league, they would vote on that. They would. Right. Like they, it, you're, you are incentivized to, to do so. And that's why I've, I've, I, I think that the that a for profit entity could be within the right hands could be such a good thing for the tour and for golf. Now I don't know if it's going to go that way, and I don't know if anything that's ever that's been done recently should encourage us that it's going to go that way. But I was thinking about this during the Scottish Open when when Bobby Mack uh, hit that approach into eighteen, when Rory hit that approach into eighteen. Those approach shots were created by the wind and you yeah. can't manufacture the wind, right? Maybe, maybe the people of Saudi Arabia figured that out. I don't know. But as long as you can't manufacture, you can't manufacture that. the wind, then everything possible should be done to, to create as many situations like that. How great of a last like 30 minutes was that? And you could get more of that. It just seems so. I don't. I don't. I didn't grow up playing golf. I'm not like you. I'm not as deep into it as like Shackelford or even Solly or whatever. It just seems as a as a sort of outsider into the sport. It seems so obvious to me what should happen. Like if this was happening in baseball, you wouldn't be like, well, I guess we just need to like tear down Wrigley and re- and rebuild it. Like that, yeah. that was, I, it, and it, yet, or like erect structures in the outfield to keep balls from flying out of the yard. You would never say that. And yet, it's like people do these gymnastics to get away from just this very, to me, again, I'm, this is reductive, but a very simple solution that would create a better product. It just, it, it's almost like, am I missing something here? Because it seems so, so obvious to me. Yeah. I, um, all right. I, I think people have heard a lot of this discussion. This is the latest uh, aspect of it. I want to move on. I want to get to some some golf advice questions. Last, can I real quick run? Can down. I say something real quick? Yeah. I yeah. was wondering. Here, here's a theory that I have: is the tour so it owns this network of TPC courses, right? <laughs> and by 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 being against the golf the the rollback. Are they eventually going to um, not be able to go to these courses that generate money because they go there? Right? Are they? Are are? They, I mean, I, that's like really far down the road. I but think. Are they working? Against, are they like harming their own business by not voting for this rollback? 
I think the reality of the situation with everything that's going on in in the world, the greater, you know, when you zoom out and look at the sustainability of golf, I, the Western United States, water's a very precious resource. And, you know, like golf is, is coming under fire in lots of communities, right? And it's just a matter of time before that comes across the entire country. And it's not... It's not in the next, you know, 10 year purview, but if you're looking at it in the long term, the more realistic thing is that it's just going to be reduced to driver wedge, like where you see guys hit seven clubs yeah. effectively and you know, your your skills you need as a pro, I think this is already happening at the junior level is like listen like learn how to hit it hard and then I'll teach you how to play yeah. golf, right? But the first lesson is learn how to hit it hard. Because that's that's the, you know, and I think that's that's the tough situation. There needs to be a, a retention of of skill because the game is beautiful because of the mm-hmm. skill. It's not, you know, like I said, you you go down like the shots you remember from a given year. They're rarely drives, and if they are drives, it's when they're reaching the green, when they're approaching the green, and before oh, it won't be a drivable hole. Like you can go up and always tee. you can just always. move up. Like you always have the option to move up. It's hard to go back. So I think that that's like the, you know, there. And I think this is part of it. Like the, I don't think the USGA would be doing this if they didn't know that, like, listen, like this is about 40 years from now. Totally. Not just these guys that are playing golf for millions of dollars right now. And that's the hard thing when, as somebody like, listen, I was talking to a, a equipment executive this year who told me, Andy, you should be against this. And I'm like, what? Why? He goes, you've got the best thing going right now. Think about it. You always could talk about it. You've got all these courses making changes. That's good mm. for you. So if my business is good for me, that this doesn't happen, if, if this doesn't happen, then why am I against it? Every golf architect is against it. All golf architects get paid when they have to do renovation yeah. work. Why is it that there's certain people with self-interest? It's because those people are also thinking about what's happening 50 yeah. years from now. And that's what the USGA is doing. And I think like that's the thing that frustrates me so much is there's an outside influ- outsized influence given to people that play golf for a living and make millions of dollars under the current setup. Like there is just so much obvious bias in the situation. And as I did not come up with this in my head, as an equipment executive said to me that I shouldn't want any change. Like it it was like, oh, I always thought I was biased, but I'm not. Like apparently I have a an interest in it not being changed. But I don't know. I'm just I'm 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 heated. I'm frustrated. It's just like it's such a step back. And but, anyways, the scoreboard's still three two. So of the five families, three support, two against. Thanks, thanks for so, coming to our TED talk. <laughs> um. Anyways, here's what's going on in golf. Evian, uh, the women's the what? Whether you believe it's a major or not, Paula Rita leads seven under. Uh, a host, a slew of big names are, are playing well and chasing spots. That'll be nice coffee golf um, for Saturday and Sunday. Lydia Ko's at five under. Uh, Rose Zhang and Yuka Sasso, Angel Yin. Angel Yin has serious takes. We had dinner with her after the U.S. Senior or U.S. Women's Open. She's got she's got unbelievable get her on takes. The po- takes get her on, on the takes. pod. I don't think I don't think there are a lot of pod takes. I don't think she'd be like but like I, like they're not was, fruit takes or what? No, I think they're just like the takes on golf. It, it was Hell delightful yeah. chatting with her. Minji Lee uh, is in the mix too. So senior open. Are you dialed in on this? I, I'm not. No, no. I I I, I should be, but I'm, I I did see uh, Woozy's playing right. I saw a clip of Woozy just banging one out there. <laughs> Shot four over T sixty five. But uh, we got we got um, Miguel Angel, the me- mechanic, is leading the way at five under. 
the great, the, the senior tour legend, Alex Cheka is too back. He's probably got to be worried about that. A player of just such a pedigree and, and uh, <laughs> before he was a sure. senior. And then, uh, and then we got at T4, the Battle of the Sings. VJ and Jeev, Jeev Milka are tied I haven't for seen, fourth. I haven't so, seen Jeev in a while. <laughs> Jeev, Jeev is in the popping mix. Popping back up there. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a good winner, Jeev Milka. Could, could relive some of the high points of that PGA Tour career. So, and then the 3M, it's super early there. Um, let's see what... Oh man, the website. Uh, Hideki was leading. Me. Yeah, Lee Hodges is now okay. your leader. Do you see that Nick Hardy shot? Oh my shot? gosh! I mean, it's it's kind of a dangerous shot to attempt, right? He he basically he hooked. Yeah. Well, he hurt his. The other aspect of that, he missed a lot of last year. Yeah, with a I wrist remember injury. him wearing. He 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 had it taped up, right? Or he still yeah. does. Like a bad yeah. wrist injury, I, I, like, I would be so terrified to yeah. get that shot. It was he was up against a tree, effectively, and just kind of like hooked it around. But he hooked his club around the tree as well, so hit it to what ten, twelve feet. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, of note, just like a couple storylines, obviously to watch this week. Billy Horschel, who's on like the, he's like one eighteen. He shot five under. Um. So that's a you know in terms of trying to play on on into the FedEx Cup, not onto the Ryder Cup team. I don't think not, he's going to no, make the Ryder Cup sure. team. Um, he's there. Justin Thomas right now is even through six. So you know this is pretty un uh, unimportant update here. I wanted to get to golf advice, and uh, can I give some advice to listeners? You know about one of there our partners go. here. Real what a quick? what a transition. That's. Poor ass out of a job. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. This is, of course, my morning routine. I've talked about this a lot. It's all about just getting into a good habit. So AG1 super easy. It is just like a little powder that you mix up with water every morning, and it gets you your you know vitamins, probiotics, whole food source nutrients that you need. So really, this just gets you off to a great start. They have 75 high-quality ingredients in that powder that help with your energy, your focus, your strength, and clarity. You know, one of the things that helps a ton with is gut health. Everybody loves good gut health. I feel like gut health is like the trendiest topic right now in health. So this this supports that. It is a, a really awesome uh, thing. It's just gotten me into a way better place as a human being this year. So... I would say uh, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D. That's important stuff too. And five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash shotgun. That's drinkag1.com slash shotgun to check it out. Those travel packs make it super easy to be in a great routine when you travel, if you travel, uh, or, you know, if you're on the go one morning and you're kind of running out the door, they're super, super, um, just helpful. It gives two standing, thank you to desk boys energy to, to stand all day. Honestly, I don't think I'd be a standing desk boy without (laughs) AG one. It's gotten me more focused on, on my, on myself. So, you know, AG1 and a, uh, a debilitating neck injury got me to standing. What a combo. Um, all right, let's get to golf advice. We haven't done this in a couple oh, of weeks. Oh, I is, can't uh, wait. This is fun. I'm excited. I got a few few dialed up here. Um, do you want to start with just a quick story? Sure. So, so there's no like, we don't have to, there's no rebuttal here. There's it's a, just a story. This, we'll just, we'll just be, we'll be quick okay. with this one. All right. Uh, it's from it's from Will. As a disclaimer, this story may not seem like a fever dream. I don't know if either of you has seen the movie Sandlot, but there's a scene where the ghost of Babe Ruth visits Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. This was my Babe Ruth, Benny the Jet Rodriguez moment. I promise it happened. I, as- I attended Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. I lived on the west side of campus, and I passed the basketball arena, which is home to the athletic department on my way to class. 
One regular Thursday morning in February 2018, I was walking to class around 10.30 a.m. I witnessed a gold Cadillac Escalade drive by with a little cutout, uh, drive by a little cutout parking spot. Picture attached. (laughs) Outside of the basketball arena, the Escalade with Florida plates proceeded to try and back in in parallel park uh, style and proceeded to rail the curb at least four times. (laughs) Now, conventional wisdom would suggest that person in this scenario should just back it up, cut the uh, past the cutout and turn the steering wheel to the right and calmly pull into the spot. But as I will reveal here in a little bit, this person doesn't subscribe to conventional wisdom or tactics. The car finally came to a stop as I was approaching. The back right tire was pressed up against the curb so tight I thought it was going to explode. The driver of the car closed the door and proclaimed a very proud voice, how about that curb job, baby? (laughs) I gave a polite chuckle and kept walking. However, after a few steps, I stopped in my tracks because I had heard that voice before. The accent, the inflection, and the joy were all too familiar. I turned around, looked at the individual in the eyes and asked, who do you think this is? Samford? Samford, Gold Escalade, five attempts at parking. I four attempts. I, I, I. Uh, Hal Sutton, Paul Azing. <laughs> <laughs> I said. So he, he turned and asked, "Are you Paul Azinger?" The individual replied, "I sure am. How the hell are you?" How do you know who I am? <laughs> I explained that I was a huge golf fan, that I recognized his voice the moment he spoke, but that I was so confused as to why he was at Samford University on this random Thursday in, in February. He told me that both his daughters attended Samford and that his wife loves to attend Step Sing, which is an annual song and dance competition that student organizations put on. That is uh, taking place this weekend. Step singing sounds lame, but it is electric. Check it out on YouTube. So this is just a great story. He's, he says, I love Zinger. <laughs> I love how ridiculous he is. What? And it's just a, a Zinger what story. What year was this? 2018, okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah. February 2018. He should have right, we'll hit into, him. He should have uh, hit him with a, uh, you might want to check your tire pressure. <laughs> all right all right all right golf sore loser in a golf bet oh gosh okay all right a little background at my hometown golf course popular game that people play is roll re-roll i'm not going to get into like the the logistics of the game there's just lots of intricacies. You could roll and re-roll. He says what's you know, it's like a high low game. What 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 gets dicey is after T shots, people can roll and re-roll. And you can press if you're behind, you know, doubling points. Like anybody that's played a betting game understands this stuff. We played this game is played for a quarter of a point, and there are situations where it can get a little out of hand if one side is really kicking ass. So here's where my question comes in. I got into a game of roll re-roll at my course recently, and my teammate on this particular day was a guy who I've always enjoyed having as a partner. Let's call him Walt. When Walt and I have been partners, for whatever reason, we just play very well together. Sounds a little like Speed JT, mm. you know? Our opponents were t- these two other guys, one of who is an 18 handicap, and the other is a six. The six handicap in this story, let's just call him Saul is a sore loser. Saul is a guy who always loves to uh, give people shit on the course. There's always friendly banter banter back and forth during a round with Saul. And when you beat Saul in a game of golf, it's so fun to give him shit because of the amount he dishes out. Walt and I proceed to kick Saul's and his partner's teammates' ass in this game of roll re-roll. If there was ever a definition of hamming and egging, Walt and I are it on this day. 
We were beating Saul and his teammates so badly that Saul proceeds to walk off the course on hole 14, leaving Walt and I to finish the round on our own. Saul's teammate walked off too, although I could tell he did not agree with this decision. Walt and I finished the round. Upon walking into the clubhouse, we find Saul and his teammate are already finishing up their second drink. They did not pay Walt and I the money that they owed through 14 holes, mind you. But then Saul proceeds to say that Walt and I need to pay for all the drinks and food for the night because we are the winners. I'm the type that in a friendly match when I win, I'm all about paying for some drinks, understanding that it's all in good fun. But Saul took his gentlemanly rule so far that I actually ended up owing more money for drinks and food than what I won in the match. I think this was especially rude given the fact that Saul walked off the course before the round was even over. I think Saul took things too far in this instance. I would love to get your thoughts on this situation. Well, are they... When winning a golf bet in terms of buying drinks and food after the round. So the... Like you're under a no obligation. Yeah, so, so the way that I view this, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't play a ton. I don't... Even when I do play, we don't bet a ton. But the last time that... I did. It was with. Uh, did did he say that these guys are like? Are they boys? It sounds like they're bo- they're they're friends. There's a friendly relationship. It sounds like they need counseling. But uh, the last time this happened to me, I think it's a. I think it's a fair. Here's here's where I land on it. I think it's a fair thing that the winning team buys like the first drink, like the first round or whatever, and then after that, I I, I just. Like that to me is like a, it's like a kind gesture. And then you just, you just move on after that. I I don't, I don't like what he's describing is more like if you make a, a, an ace, right? Not even, you don't have to buy people food. You have to buy all the drinks and food. And then the guy is said, didn't pay him. So it's like a double whammy. He's got to pay all this money. It's like he lost. He said it was more than what they won on the course. And he, if it, if it's true, he didn't get paid. Then it's like a double negative. Yeah, that the Saul guy deserves to be called out. Sounds like better call Saul. It's a classic guy that can't, can't, can't deal with, with getting this. The other thing is he walked off the course. That's at that point. You lose, you lose the, ability it's got to be super weird too when you see him like the next time you play a match it's gonna be like so if i'm beating you are you gonna walk off on 14 you know again i think they're playing for too much money and saul just got out over his skis it sounds it doesn't seem to me like saul just based off the personality is hurting for cash i don't think you're doing that i think he just got got upset you know golf can run hot yeah, I, I'm I'm out on I'm in on buying a round, but I'm out on obligation. Or I, I don't even think that should be obligation, but I'm I'm in on doing that, whoever wins. And then after that it's you're you're on your own. All right. Real quick, a uh a non advice. This just made me laugh a lot. Second of <laughs> member guest final match Sunday, hungover, eight AM. On our way to the second shot from the fairway, we see what looks like an old an old man across the fairway, possibly having a medical. <laughs> oh my gosh! As we get closer, we realize it's a walker, a non-golfer slash member of the public from a near from the nearby road, and see that he's in fact. <laughs> Bent over ninety degrees, <laughs> taking an explosive. Oh dump my gosh! The shady Was this the guy they had to tend to at your original Airbnb in LA? <laughs> yeah, apparently he finished, returns to the sidewalk, and continues to take his leisurely. Wait, was, was he? Was he in we the? Lost was the he match. in the fairway? He walked onto the course. What the hell? <laughs> we we lost the match, but howled laughing the rest of the way. A true, how am I supposed to chip with that going on moment? 
That was from Jordan. He attached a picture. <laughs> this is this this episode is not for the the medically faint of heart. <laughs> All right, last one, and then we'll get you out of here. We appreciate it. Real advice. Um, here we go. I run a quick, uh, a casual, small annual charity golf outing. It's really just 20 to 24 friends who get together for most of the day drinking and golfing. Most guys take it fairly seriously, but this is pretty laid back in general. The past year, a twosome went off first and ended up posting the best score of the day by one. It came to light afterwards that they heard from the starter, and quotes, that you don't have to play out of the sand on this course. So they apparently played most of the round pulling whatever balls that landed in the bunker out. A few mitigating things. It's really only moderately plausible that the starter actually told them this. Handicaps for the event are really a joke. A lot of guys show up as 27s, 30s because they only play once a year. So at the end of the day, it's kind of a crapshoot if someone wins by just one when their team is getting 44 strokes <laughs> and the other is getting 54. Question is, do I give them an asterisk for their win? Two, take away their win and give the, sec- them, uh, give the second place team the trophy. Three, make it that there's two winning teams somehow. Those are yeah, his three I, options I he's think, determined. How would you handle I, I this I think situation? you have to your asterisk because I think if you, if you take away their win, then all of a sudden you've elevated a non-serious event into like a, like a serious event. You've, you've done what you didn't set out to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think I just, you don't want to mess with the, it's the, like with the atmosphere of the event. If this is not a serious thing. And, and as he says, for like a lot of guys, it's like the one time they play all year. Yeah. Just yeah. move on and say, hey, and it could be just a running joke. Yeah. That's like the beauty of this is like it, it, for years future. It's like, hey, just, you know, you got to play out of the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's I think that's the right play. Do you think JT will play in that charity event as well or no? <laughs> what do you think about that? Your your commentary on it, I thought was was good insight of like hey, this, you can't, because of how this could go, you you can't do that. Well, make a contribution. I don't know. I, it just looks really bad if it goes a certain mm-hmm. way. Um, now, he might play in this charity event for like the next 10, 20 years. And if that's the case, great. You know, good for you. Like, I, I'm not opposed to charity, but it just looks so bad at face value if it if it goes that way where he he keeps playing poorly and gets the spot and um and plays that charity outing right yeah no i agree but yeah for for this for the for the golf advice you got to give you could even put an asterisk on like if there's a trophy or if there's a, a a big board or whatever you just put an asterisk on there and make it make it into a like a a bit make it into a funny thing i think that's the play yeah I do too. I um. All right, Kyle. What do you, you got? Anything going on? Anything you want to plug here? Thank you so much for filling in for Brendan on vacation. Well, hey, I understand what it's like to be uh, with four kids on vacation at the beach. So I was I was happy to uh, to jump in for him. Uh, just sent out uh, our t- my twentieth newsletter, normal sport newsletter. Uh, you can sign up at anormalsport.com backslash newsletter and uh, yeah, that's been a that's been a fun thing that. I've gotten always gets a couple of chuckles out of <laughs> it's me. It's been a fun thing that, that I've gotten to, uh, to do this year wrote about, uh, some just like post open stuff on CVS sports.com, uh, slash golf, uh, a Rory Phil comp, uh, a lot of Brian Harmon stuff. So check it out there too. Awesome. Um, uh, thanks Kyle. And we'll see you soon.